This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. This segment is really, and I love what you said, Blair, it's going back to basics. It's looking at the difference between what it means to declare personal bankruptcy or filing a consumer proposal. They're both really good debt management options that are available to folks, uh, best handled, only handled by a licensed insolvency trustee. But there's some key differences between the two processes. And uh, fortunately, we've got Blair from Sands & Associates to explain more to help us understand and compare the two. So can we start with what is a consumer proposal, Blair, and, and how does it work, or maybe just defining it to start with just in case somebody hasn't heard of it before yeah of course elaine so i'm thrilled to do this segment because i know we talk we touch on a lot of segments um on on our show here a lot of different topics but sometimes it's helpful just to make sure we've set the ground rules um you know correctly here and people know exactly what these remedies are that we allude to all the time so really again from the basic level here what a consumer proposal is uh it's often a surprise to people that this exists because they come to see a licensed insolvency trustee and they think you know a personal bankruptcy is their only option they're a little bit despondent about that but a consumer proposal is a powerful debt consolidation tool it's grown in popularity hugely over over the last number of years. So in my time of practice, about the last 13 years, proposals went from, you know, less than 20, 30% of filings to over 70% of filings quite often most months in British Columbia. Um, and the reason for it is it's a better alternative to bankruptcy for a lot of folks. It's not for everybody, but for a lot of folks. And what it is, it's a deal that you work out with your creditors that consolidates your debts into one manageable payment. But what's different about traditional consolidation loans where you borrow the money and you still have to pay back interest and all the principal as well, with a consumer proposal, you can drastically reduce the overall amount of debt that you have to pay and you pay no interest or any added fees. So in many cases, your debt can be reduced up to 70 or 80% and you pay no interest or no added fees on top of that. So suddenly a debt problem that seemed insurmountable, you thought bankruptcy was your only option, you'd never pay it off. Uh, a lot of folks are just so happy to learn that this option exists and that's why it's grown in popularity so much. And I like the idea, too, that it's really tailored to each person individually. There's no sort of uh, framework that you just pop somebody into. Exactly. So, you know, if someone re reaches out to me, and I don't get these calls often, but they've got, you know, the house with no mortgage with a million dollars of equity. Well, for me to try to help them reduce their debt, it's difficult. I can save them the interest, uh, but they've got the means to pay back all of that debt over time. But if somebody is coming to me and, you know, they're earning just enough income to get by, they don't have a whole lot of assets, well, we can offer a proposal to repay 20 or 30 percent of that debt. And that proposal will get accepted just about every time that we file it, um, because the alternative is they might file a bankruptcy and pay back, you know, essentially nothing on the debt. The creditors wouldn't get any recovery. So every situation varies, but the guiding light is what is your ability to repay, and the proposal has to be tailored to that ability. Now, who can file a consumer proposal or personal bankruptcy in this province, in this country? 
Mm-hmm. It's a really simple answer. It's not a lawyer. It's not any consultant, someone that you'd hire a fee for service. It's only a licensed insolvency trustee. So it's enshrined in the law. You can't file your own proposal. You know, you can make your best efforts to try and get your creditors to accept 20 cents in the dollar, but probably not going to work. But if you sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee, they've got the power to use Canadian law to help the settlement get done. And it's and I think this is one of the main reasons why you have to have somebody who's who's got that um, a declaration of being a, a, a licensed insolvency trustee is because there's so many debts that can be forgiven under a consumer proposal or a bankruptcy. So let's talk about those. Mm-hmm. That's so important, Elaine, because sometimes we have people come in that, got, that have preconceived notions that we can only solve part of the problem. Well, the answer is under a consumer proposal, virtually all of your debts can be forgiven uh, or reduced significantly. So in addition to the typical consumer debts like credit cards or lines of credit, you can also deal with government debts like income taxes, uh, even penalties and interest on top of those. Um, Student loans can be dealt with. Uh, Most ICBC debts, just a few exceptions, you know, if there was some criminal component to it, but the vast majority of ICBC debts can be dealt with. Um, Just about any debt that was honestly incurred uh, can be dealt with um, and reduced in a consumer proposal. And what's really great in a consumer proposal is you don't need everybody to agree. So what I was alluding to before, you know, you could try to make informal settlements with all of your creditors, but you might not get too far. Well, what if one of your creditors don't agree and they decide to take you to court and you're just making informal deals? You've got some trouble there. If you're doing a consumer proposal, all the trustee needs is 50% by dollar value of your debts to vote to accept the proposal. And as long as we get that, even if the other 49% of the debt is Canada Revenue Agency or a student loan or a creditor who doesn't want to compromise on their debt, they're bound by the terms of the consumer proposal. The deal is essentially forced on the rest of the creditors if a majority of your debt says yes to it, uh, which again, in our experience, is about 95 to 99% of the time we get that majority to vote yes. The other cool thing about uh, dealing with somebody at Sands and Associates is that it's just not the filing of the papers. There's uh, uh, some very significant counseling services and sessions that are included in that process. Yeah, Elena, it, it makes my day and it happens quite often. So even just yesterday, I, I heard from somebody um, who five years ago, they finished their bankruptcy and this time not a proposal and they were getting a mortgage. They were able to buy real estate. Um, they had saved the down payment and they said, without me taking that step, and without me getting the credit counseling from Sands and Associates to understand how to rebuild my credit, and how to have a good savings plan, um, they never would have gotten there. They would have been stuck just making minimum payments, you know, for decades to come. Um, so we really want to make sure when we're dealing with debt, it's the whole situation, but we're also helping the person, giving them the right tools so that they can avoid getting in the situation in the future, if at all possible. And I just want to add, if, if you're sort of chomping at the bit and you know that this is the solution for you and you want to start to take action, you want to get a hold of Sands & Associates, I'm going to give you their website. It's sands-trustee.com. Loads of good information on there, and plus you can access an office near you. And this is the phone number. It's a 1-800 number, 1-800-661-3030. So uh, is there a difference in terms of how long um, each of these, either bankruptcy or consumer proposal, take? to complete? 
Yeah, there, there is. So when you file a personal bankruptcy, it's different than a proposal in that there's no permission that you need from your creditors. So when you're filing a proposal, I mentioned we need to get them to vote to accept it. With a personal bankruptcy, you don't need the permission of anybody that you owe money to. You don't have to go and apply to the court and justify why you have to, why you should get protection in bankruptcy. Um, you just sit down with a trustee and file the documents. And the way a proposal is structured is a proposal can be over a maximum of 60 months, so five years in total, with typically the same monthly payment. And if you can pay it off sooner, you're done that much sooner. Um, the way a bankruptcy works is the time that you're in bankruptcy, it doesn't matter the amount of your debt. What matters is your income and if you've ever previously filed a bankruptcy before. So if someone is considered low income and they've never filed a bankruptcy before, bankruptcy can be over in as little as nine months. And most people are just shocked to hear that because they think, oh, bankruptcy takes seven years. Well, it's not if you do everything right. It doesn't take you seven years. Something went horribly wrong if you're in bankruptcy for seven years. Um, even if you're not low income, uh, bankruptcy runs for a year longer than that. It runs for 21 months uh, instead of the nine-month period. And again, what you have to pay into a bankruptcy, it's driven by your income and not by the amount of the debt. So if someone was, you know, had an ICBC accident, they weren't covered, and there was a million dollars worth of damages, them offering a consumer proposal to pay back even 20% of that debt, $200,000, that's not going to be easy for just about anybody I've ever met with. Bankruptcy might be their option, but their bankruptcy would run the same if they owed a million dollars or $10,000 or $100,000. It's all based on their income, their household, again, if there's previously been a bankruptcy filing. So usually bankruptcy is a little bit quicker um, to get over and done with. Uh, usually a proposal takes you a little bit longer, um, but there, again, there's intricacies in each situation. Okay. And what about um, the timelines for these things? I know that people care about their credit ratings for a bunch mm -hmm. of different reasons. How, how's that different? Yeah, I think there's no clients that I sit down with that don't ask really good questions about their credit rating, and I'm happy to answer them. And usually, you know, the philosophy to take is, well, preserving perfect credit at every moment of your life is usually not the right financial decision for you. So you've got to accept that if you're going to get out of debt, you're going to take a short-term hit to your credit. And anytime you don't pay your debts back in full, your credit rating does take a hit. So if you file a bankruptcy, I just mentioned bankruptcy can be over in as little as nine months. And what happens then is for six years after that, uh, that nine-month period, if someone pulls a credit report on you, they'll see that a bankruptcy was filed. Now, it doesn't mean they're not going to advance you credit because, if anything, coming out of a bankruptcy, you might be a better credit risk than you were right before because you don't have any debt. You've just come through a formal legal proceeding, which nobody takes lightly, um, and typically you're going to take very seriously the first person that advances your credit and maybe be a lifelong customer of theirs. So usually it's more of a calendar of about two to three years after a bankruptcy is when people can start to get you know, credit cards with no deposits, even qualify for mortgages. Uh, with a consumer proposal, it's slightly quicker than that. So a consumer proposal, it's six years from the day that you file it, um, so slightly quicker than a bankruptcy would be, or three years from when you pay it off. So if you worked really hard and finished a proposal in a single year or a year and a half, well, three years after that, it's going to drop off your credit bureau, and it's also a little bit less severe than a bankruptcy is. So your credit uh, rating can go from R1 to R9 on each debt. Uh, bankruptcy is R9. R1 is perfect. A consumer proposal is R7, which means you're in a negotiated repayment arrangement. So neither are permanently fatal by any means. You'll recover from both, uh, but they are a little bit different in their duration and in the severity of the impact. 
In the last couple of minutes in this segment, can we talk about the cost difference or comparing the costs uh, between declaring a bankruptcy or making a proposal? My guess is there's some differences there. Yeah, absolutely. So a consumer proposal, again, it's driven by how much debt are you repaying and how much can you afford to repay? So for example, if you had $40,000 of debt and you were going to offer your creditors back about 12600 and these are numbers that I see just about every day, that's about 30% of the debt, you'd pay that at three fifty per month um, over a term of 36 months. Um, you'd pay the first three fifty when you signed the documents, and then you'd pay three fifty per month for the next 35 months. You wouldn't pay any extra extra fees at all. There are fees in the process, but they're borne by your creditors, essentially. If we've worked out, you can afford to repay 30%. Your creditors will get, you know, some portion of that, probably about 22, 23% of that, uh, doing, doing round numbers here. And the trustee gets some fees that are set by tariff, but there's never any separate bill that you're going to receive. Um, in a bankruptcy, um, it's all set by government tariff as well, um, but your income is what determines your payment. And if you're low income, which is under about $2,200 for a single person in BC right now, you pay just $200 a month for nine months. And that includes everything, all the trustee services, getting you out of debt and the counseling. So you, you've got to make some payments, but that's always in lieu of you paying anything back on the debt in a bankruptcy. And I want to mention again, um, the website is such a good tool for anybody who's thinking about wanting to take some action here. It's, it's really the website, your website is so good. It's got so many good questions and really good answers and it's easy to understand. Uh, and that's sans-trustee.com. Or if you want to zip ahead and, and make a phone call, uh, there's a 1-800 number I'm going to give you. It's 1-800-661. 3030. That's where you can set up an appointment for that free consultation and uh, and start taping, taking those first steps. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. So steps, the steps that one follows to file a consumer proposal. And again, if you haven't heard of a consumer proposal before or you don't know what it is, this is a great segment for you. Um, because it is, it's all about being able to consolidate your debt, not using a loan, not borrowing money or paying interest charges. And Blair's going to explain how the consumer proposal works, how it, how you deal with the debt and how you go about filing one in this province. So awesome, Blair. I'm so glad we're doing this segment. Uh, what's the first Thing that you want to you want to talk about when it comes to a consumer proposal? Uh, you know, I think in terms of defining a consumer proposal, let, let's give a couple examples because I think that's going to help paint the picture of exactly what we're talking about. You know, essentially, a consumer proposal is a means of consolidating your debt and paying back what you can afford. So, you know, a scenario that I see quite often, um, someone owing around $20,000 of debt might offer a consumer proposal. And you can imagine carrying $20,000 of debt at a high interest rate. That can be, you know, very concerning almost for any income level. Uh, they might offer to pay back 30% of the total debt. Uh, and they might make monthly payments uh, in the range of $165 a month for 36 months. They pay back 30% of the debt and the balance. 70% would be legally written off. They would never have to repay that balance. Um, you know, another example, uh, one that I filed just recently here, a 35-year-old skills tradesman uh, who came in to see me had some health issues, and he had accumulated about $55,000 of consumer debt, and he just wasn't sleeping, um, you know, just very worried, really struggling to make ends meet, and his creditors were calling him daily because he was starting to get behind on his payments. 
Uh, his minimum payments alone, he was earning $3,200. And if he was going to make all his minimum payments, it would have been half of his income. Uh, we filed a consumer proposal. It stopped all of the calls. It stopped all of the interest charges. And it cut his debt from $55,000 down to $23,400. So less than half. Um, and he made monthly payments of $650 a month over 36 months. So he went from $1,600 a month of minimum payments that would have had him on, you know, pick a number of probably the 40 or 50 year plan to get out of debt with minimum payments to a three year plan at $650 per month. No one could bother him, um, no further interest, no additional fees. It was absolutely life changing. And he got some good financial counseling as well. So, you know, in the future, if he does have health issues, uh, we're, t- we're teaching him, you know, here's how you build up the emergency fund. You know, here's how you try to avoid the high interest debt in the future. So he's going to be that much better off after the proceeding. So what's the first step in getting a consumer proposal started for someone? You know, I often say the first step is, is probably the most difficult step um, in, in the whole process because it's a bit of a leap of faith. You have to reach out and ask for help. And when you reach out to Sands and Associates, you're going to be treated with the utmost utmost of dignity, empathy, and respect, but not everybody knows that. So people can be very, you know, reticent or reluctant. They'll often suffer for up to two years knowing they're in debt, knowing that they need a way out, um, but they're just scared to make that first call and reach out. So the first step after you've reached out um, is to, to meet with us for a free confidential debt consultation. So we're doing a ton of consultations these days uh, over video, over the phone, remotely, signing documents remotely so you can get help wherever and whatever method that that works for you. And during that debt consultation, you're going to sit down with a friendly person who's going to take the time to understand your situation because behind every debt, um, there's a story, there's a family, um, there's a dynamic that's that's happened that's gotten the person to that point. Um, And then also want to understand your needs and your goals because they're often quite different. You know, someone who's 80 years old and, you know, that doesn't need to be buying a house in a few years might need a different solution uh, for someone that's 35 years old and would love to be able to start to save for a down payment. Um, So we want to understand, you know, the age and stage and what your goals are. Uh, When you sit down with a a trustee, it's not the case that, hey, we've got a certain set of solutions and you must fit into those. We're going to talk about all of your possible options. You know, is it possible for you to get out of this with just a little bit better budgeting? Um, Is it possible that you can file that consumer proposal to reduce the debt? Um, Or is even a a bankruptcy a better option for you? We're going to talk about all of those things. And what I like about uh, working, doing the work that I do is I really take the approach that I want a no surprises experience. So I want to tell people up front, um, here's the process. We're going to meet a number of times what we're going to talk about today. And, you know, here's the terms that we think about. We'll work with a consumer proposal. Uh, In the first meeting, we're going to tell you whether you're eligible to file a consumer proposal. And the eligibility is pretty broad. You have to owe some money that you're not able to repay. Uh, The amount of your debt has to be in the range of more than $1,000, but less than $250,000. And that doesn't include your mortgage. So if you've got a mortgage, that's kind of kept separate from this. Um, and the repayment term that you're going to look at can be no longer than 60 months. So it's not going to be a never-never plan. You never get out of debt and you pay forever. It's going to be a solution that at the maximum is going to be five years, and often it's done sooner than that. So all of that is in step one, which is your first meeting. Okay. And what about, what if you're over $250,000? What happens then? 
Yeah, it's a good question. So there's the option. You could file a joint proposal. So if you and your spouse have some debts that are in common and you're both filing a proposal, that limit gets doubled to to $500,000 and $250,000. And even if you're a single person over that amount, there is a certain type of a proposal, not called a consumer proposal, called a Division I proposal, which is often very much the same type of a structure, a couple little intricacies different. um, But the, the the takeaway is that you do have options still, even if your debt's more than 250000 But sometimes at that point, it becomes difficult for a person to pay back a third of 250000 That's a lot of money for someone to pay back over five years. But I have seen situations where it's possible for sure. Okay. So, and in any event, you're going to give that person who comes in and sits down with you or is on the computer with you all this good information so you can figure out the best course of action to take. What about your your second meeting? What happens there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I should say, Elaine, all of this is at no cost, no obligation, no expectation that you'll move forward and you'll never get a, an invoice from us if you choose not to move forward. Uh, the second meeting uh, is typically after the first meeting, you've said, you know, I've thought about it, I want to move forward with a proposal, and we give you an application form. And I guess the old term is to give you an application form. Now I, I send you to our web-based uh, application portal where you just fill in all of your information. You take some pictures of your most recent statements. You take a picture of your pay stub, different things like that. Uh, and then we meet to review all of that to make sure we got the facts correctly. So we understand this is your income. We understand this is your debt. Um, here's the situation. And then we say, this is the proposal we think we can structure for you. Would you like to proceed? And assuming the proposal works, it meets your objectives and fits in your budget. And then we set up a third meeting. And it's at the third meeting is when you sign the official documents. We review everything with you in detail. And the proceeding can start at that point. Um, you've still made no payments at that time, and all of these meetings can happen, you know, can happen in the space of a single week if it's very urgent and someone's having their wages seized, or often, you know, it's a first meeting, the person takes a week or two to think about it, get their information together, and then by about two or three weeks in, we're having that third meeting and getting the proposal going, and the reason that people want to usually move kind of fast is you get protection as soon as you've signed the consumer proposal. Nobody can call you, harass you, take you to court, seize any of your wages, you're under the umbrella of a trustee's protection and that can just be so important for people's mental and even physical health so and this is the next the next thing that happens which i think is very interesting so it's aft at the at the point that the consumer proposal is officially filed and started what happens at that point well, all of the debts are frozen then, and a 45-day period commences, and that's the voting period. So the creditor sets, or the trustee sends the proposal out to all of your creditors, and then 45 days later looks at the votes that come back. And as long as 50% by dollar value of your creditors voted to accept the proposal, it becomes legally binding, and that term uh, on the proposal is, is now in force. So all you need to do is make those monthly payments, attend the two counseling sessions, and you've got a debt solution. Very cool. And um, in closing, too, I like the idea that while you're waiting for those 45 days to expire, uh, you don't normally have to do anything because mm-hmm. you're, you're already being looked after. You're, you're fully protected. There, You don't need to make any payments, uh, any calls. You get your redirect into the trustee. You get the breathing room, and it's in the trustee's hands to get the proposal accepted. The website is sans-trustee.com if you want to get that started. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. 
You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. I'm Elaine Scollin. So, Blair, let's go Let's go back. Let's mm-hmm. go back to the real basics. Um, because I still, you know, I talk about this show to people, and I say the words licensed insolvency trustee, and sometimes I get a knowing nod, and sometimes mm-hmm. I go, they look at me like, what? What is that? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about... Um, your story or the story of the company, how mm-hmm. it started. Uh, let's just go through that a little bit. Yeah. So, so taking it all the way back to 1990, um, Sands & Associates was founded. It was founded as a really small um, insolvency boutique firm, um, you know, just one office at the time, a couple of employees. And uh, it was a couple of trustees at the time who had decided to leave a big practice where they did, you know, 150 different things to focus on really one thing, which is helping individuals and small businesses um, get out of debt. So, since then, we've grown to 17 offices. Uh, we're all over the Lower Mainland. We've got offices on Vancouver Island right now. Uh, we've expanded the interior of BC as well. And all we do is focus on helping individuals and small businesses solve their financial problems. So that's a fairly, I mean, it, that's a great sentence, but it's really uh, an impactful thing that you and everyone who works at Sands mm-hmm. & Associates does or feels as a result of the work that you do for people. Like a huge impact. It's way bigger than just the numbers, Elaine. So, you know, it it just boggles the mind each day, the number of people that, you know, phone us up or come in for meetings with us that are facing the toughest point in their life, you know, not sure where the next dollar is going to come from or where the person is going to show up at the door taking their assets. And, you know, we give people hope. So one of the things I'm most proud about with the firm is we try to create a safe space. So when someone comes in to see us, it's not a case of let's make you feel terrible about all the mistakes that you've made. It's let's look at where you are right now and how do you potentially move forward without judgment, without being talked down to, without being condescended to. So the ethos of our firm is really understanding that debt is just one part of an overall picture of an individual, of a family, and debt might just be one problem that someone's facing. Often, debt is a result of a bunch of other life events that you would never wish on anyone, and when it happens to you, you'd wish that you were greeted with compassion. And I don't want this to sound really, I don't know what the word is, like sucky. But everybody that I've met from the organization, from the company Sands and Associates, you're pretty compassionate people. So, mm-hmm. the, so. Y- that seems to be also part of your culture. Yeah, and, and that's true. And I think, you know, there's the easy part to the job and, and the hard part. And I, I, you'll understand what I mean in a second. You know, the easy part is making the debt go away. Right. Um, because the legislation is written, um, you know, if you've got too much debt, you don't have assets to satisfy this debt, the government basically mandates that you have the right to get a financial fresh start through either a bankruptcy or a proposal. So anyone that's qualified as a trustee can apply the law and get you a result. The harder part is really helping somebody restructure and turn things around completely themselves um, from an emotional point of view, from um, you know a self-worth point of view, treating somebody with respect all the way along, that can be a challenge sometimes when people don't even feel that about themselves, that they're deserving of any respect sometimes. So the harder part of my job is sometimes helping people see you know, beyond what they're facing right now, but looking to the future with some optimism that things can be different. So almost the flip side of that could be uh, that attitude that I'm sure lots of people have, even though what what their statement says or what the yeah. hard facts say, uh, that they can't even comprehend that it, this is actually happening. 
this is actually mm-hmm. going on for me, this is actually happening, and coming to terms with that. Yeah, so many people think, you know, it's never going to happen to me, and sometimes that's when people are judgmental, is when they just can never see themselves in that situation, and, you know, hopefully, most people listening will never be in that situation, um, but something that I've learned, I learned it very quickly, is you wouldn't believe how quickly money problems can start. So, you know, there's an old adage of, you know, how did you go bankrupt? Well, gradually, and then all at once. Um, because when debt starts to snowball upon itself, when interest starts to compound on interest, when one collector starts calling, usually then four start calling, then 10, um, you know, problems can really spiral out of control quickly. Um, and, you know, most of the time, what brings people to see us, it's a heartbreaking crisis. You know, it's not a matter if they just spent money frivolously and didn't care about the outcome of it. I see that very rarely, you know, probably fingers of one hand and 10 years of practice, more than 10 years, you know, usually it's a sudden job loss, it's a sickness, it's a divorce, it's a business failure. It's one of those big life events that unfortunately has large financial consequences that can follow it. Um, I, and I know that it's sometimes surprising who who is in debt or who gets impacted by this, mm-hmm. because it's one of those things that people don't talk talk about right off the bat like you talk about the weather you talk about your vacations but you don't necessarily talk about your financial situation Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's all work all walks of life elaine so you know in the past week i've helped everyone from you know very very sophisticated financial professionals you know making over a hundred thousand dollars a year um to folks who are working very you know entry-level retail jobs who are struggling to pay their rent which is almost two thousand dollars a month in vancouver so it really is you know from the the low end of the socioeconomic spec socioeconomic spectrum all the way up to, to the high end. Uh, but what's common is that these folks are overextended. You know, they've got more debt than they're able to pay back. And again, just about everyone that I've seen, it's a big, big issue in their life. They're taking it seriously. It's impacting their relationships. It's impacting their health, their optimism, their ability to even earn income. Some people are even scared to go to a job interview because they're so worried a collector is going to start lighting up their phone during that job interview and going to take, you know, take them away from being able to even present themselves effectively. So it can be a very limiting type of thing for a lot of people. Now, uh, the, the nice thing or the cool thing about this segment is we're actually going to hear some real life stories mm-hmm. from folks that you've helped. I'm thrilled over about the that. Years. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about um, the the pieces and the series that you guys have created? Yeah. So I, I joined Sands and Associates, you know, I guess about 13 years ago now or so. And, you know, originally all our marketing was all about us and what we can do. And, you know, it's something for, for me, you know, write an article or, or be interviewed somewhere and say, you know, here's what I can do for you. But what really matters is the people that we've helped. Would they come forward and tell others, you know, hey, this is the situation that I faced. Um, Here's how I was helped and encourage others to to basically do the same. Uh, Trustees trustees across Canada have had a notoriously difficult time getting clients to tell their story publicly because, as you can imagine, people are scared. They're embarrassed. They don't want to be judged. Uh, We've had incredible success at Sands & Associates. So I think we're the only firm definitely within BC and possibly within Canada that has a series of complete unscripted, um, 100% client-based testimonials, uh, where we're going to listen to just four of them today, um, four very different individuals, different stages of life, and just in a quick 30 seconds, um, you're going to hear what they were facing, what we were able to do for them, um, essentially how their life is today. So pretty action-packed 30 seconds. Um, So why don't we start with our first one, if we can. This will be Ian. Um, And Ian was a gentleman um, who originally was with the Canadian Armed Forces, um, eventually got into some debt problems, and you'll hear again his 30-second story um, starting pretty shortly here. My financial problems have been going on for over 25 years. Ever since I was uh, a young man who left the armed forces, I thought everything was fine, but then I lost my job, 
week, I thought I was going to be homeless. When I first went to the office of Sands & Associates, it was a welcoming feeling. I wasn't judged. And they're like, it's okay. We know we can, we can fix this. I felt that weight off my shoulders, gone, for the first time in a very long time. It actually looks like I've got a great future ahead of me. All thanks to Sands & Associates. You know, one of the things, too, I want to add before we go to our next clip of uh, Jessica is that uh, people are telling their stories uh, after working with you, your, your team of people, um, because of that compassion that we talked about, mm-hmm. I think, right? Because yeah. otherwise people wouldn't be that forthcoming. That, right? like that's what I think. That yeah. whole safe space that you create for folks coming in the door, I think that's I think that's to your credit, to the Sands and Associates credit for it, sure. It actually it surprised me so much, Elaine, that when I approached um, individuals who were willing to sell their, to tell their story, how quickly they said, "Yes, I want to do this. I want to help others. I want to you know people that were in a tough situation. I suffered. I don't want others to suffer so much." Yeah. So this next clip, can I talk about Jessica? Of course. Yes. Yeah. So this is a pretty cool story because I think it's really typical of so many people. Um, She got her first credit card. It was offered to her at age 18. And Mm -hmm. we know that credit card companies go after young people, especially students. And and parents help that by making sure their kids got a credit card when they head off to university, if it's across the country, etc., etc. But she eventually found herself consumed uh, by that, uh, trying to manage all of her debts while she was working. So she had a job Mm -hmm. even, but her super super demanding job too. Mm-hmm. as a paramedic. So let's listen to Jessica. I started collecting debt when I was 18 years old. I had four credit cards carrying a student loan as well as a personal loan, working as a paramedic, and then you go home to your mattress on the floor. It just doesn't really make sense. After my first meeting with Sands and Associates, I stopped getting calls from collectors. I feel like there was a rainbow over top of me when I left, and I feel like I can plan for my future. I don't think I could say enough good things about Sands and Associates because for me, it's been life-changing. See, the other thing, too, about uh, arming uh, young people as they head off to university and college and things uh, with credit card, I mean, it makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Totally makes sense. But um, you can, it's easy to get into get in deeper than you think. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, with, with Jessica, she was starting out on her own with, you know, a great career, you know, making the world a better place, helping people in critically life-threatening situations. Yeah. Um, but, and she even brought this on the day that we interviewed her, she couldn't afford to buy a bottle of water. She had Tupperware containers she would fill with water in the morning, um, and that was how bad it got for her. She said she never knew if her debit card was going to work or not. She mentioned in that in that clip about, you know, the mattress on the floor. So this is somebody out there saving lives, but because her debt had gotten so out of control, all of her money was going to pay interest payments and she really wasn't able to live at such a young age. You can't see her, obviously, but if you see the commercial, you know, she's very early 20s or so. She's very early in her career to get this started. Yeah, and to be saddled with that, I mean, it's sort of the good news, bad news is. The bad news is she's had to suffer through this. The good news is she's figured out some really important lessons at a Mm -hmm. super young age that we don't all get a chance to, to figure out. That's that right. Young. And what I really loved about her clip as well, she said when you know, when she left the first meeting, she felt like there's a rainbow over top of her. Yeah. You know, her outlook was different. The number of people, Elaine, that tell me after that first meeting, they were walking on air. They felt like they had something they could look forward to. They had some hope. And the toughest thing is just getting someone to attend that first meeting because they don't know what they're walking into. But these testimonials will say it's a good thing in general. Do you want to talk about Peter, the next clip? Yeah. So, so Peter is definitely um, typical of, of a lot of individuals that I see where they're 
self-employed, and often when it's your own business, you take everything personally to the extent you need to make sure suppliers get paid, customers get get uh, dealt with, and then sometimes you're the last on the list to actually get your needs satisfied. So let's hear Peter's story here. I was a pretty successful contractor in the Okanagan. When the economy took a downturn, I ended up saddled with a debt of just under $100,000. It was tough. My life got pretty low. After my initial consultation with Sands and Associates, I felt like I had a new beginning. I didn't feel that I was just a number. They had a genuine heartfelt interest in wanting to see me do better. I've gone from being $100,000 in debt to almost that same amount of money in the bank. Sands and Associates helped me change my life. So if any of uh, this information and hearing these people's stories is resonating with you, then this is an opportunity. I mean, this is what this show is all about, dollars and cents. Uh, But check out Sands & Associates' website. It's really, really great because there's just so much good information on it. Good questions, good answers. It's sands-trustee.com. Or if you'd like to give them a call and set up your first consultation, easy enough to do. I'll give you the 1-800 number, one 800-661-3030. As well, you can find an office near you. You're listening to Dollars and Cents. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. I'm Elaine Scollin. We're going to talk about CERB payments, and I'm so glad we're doing this segment, Blair, because it's a word that we've all become accustomed to, either reading about or hearing about, uh, and that's what this segment's all about. So the CERB payments, um, let's start, can you define it for us in, in, in your wonderfully clear way? I'll do my best, certainly. So CERB, or C-E-R-B, it's the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. And if we all think back to March, and in some ways March can feel like a lifetime ago or sometimes, you know, just, just yesterday, it feels like this this year has just been funny the way that it's went. Um, this was what when the government had to respond very quickly to the pandemic, realizing so many Canadians were losing their income completely, um, having hours reduced, being laid off as a result of lockdowns. So the government created this Canada Emergency Response Benefit, uh, which would provide $2,000 uh, with no taxes deducted. That's another thing we'll talk about later um, to anybody who declared they were eligible for it. So it was a payment of $2,000 a month. It ran from early March until the end of September. Uh, and then it transitioned into the Canada Recovery Benefit, which is a whole lot more similar to EI. It typically has taxes deducted. Uh, but the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, it ran from, again, March to September, about $2,000 per month. Um, and that's what we're talking about today is that a number of people, I've heard upwards of 500,000 people across Canada. So it was in the range of eight or nine million people applied for this benefit and received it. And now we we've, we've understand that up, upwards of half a million people in Canada have started to receive documents from CRA that say, hey, you might not have been eligible for that. Um, and obviously that's raising a lot of anxiety and we're getting a ton of calls about it and starting to see clients through the door really concerned about this. And these letters concerning the repayment, uh, that's after they've been given this money since March, Mm -hmm. in some cases. Yeah. So the government made a conscious decision that they weren't going to check eligibility because speed was the important thing. You know, if someone's income was to zero and their rent was due and they had to buy groceries for their family, they said, you know, it's more important that we get this money out quickly. And we know we're going to give to some people that maybe don't qualify for it, but we're going to deal with it down the road. Well, down the road is now. They're starting to deal with it. 
So there's two things that I'm seeing uh, with these served repayment letters being sent to individual individuals. You know, one is relatively straightforward: um, is that you could have applied for CERB through either Service Canada and or the Canada Revenue Agency. Now, most people would pick one, apply through either Service Canada or CRA, but some people chose to apply through both and actually receive double CERB benefits. So they didn't know they were getting $4,000 a month except for, instead of 2000 and there might be some you know, reasons why they felt they needed or were entitled to those funds. But right off the top, that's one that CRA is going to say, you know, you have to repay um, anything that you double collected. Uh, you know, the other one that we're seeing, and this is, I think, a little bit more difficult for folks to stomach, um, is that they didn't actually qualify because of the income eligibility requirements. So to be eligible to collect the CERB benefit, you had to either have earned $5,000 in 2019 or $5,000 in the 12 months before applying. So what CRA is sending in these letters is saying, based on the records we have at this time, we cannot confirm that you meet this requirement. So does that mean that people made less or they made more or do you or do you have a sense of that? Well, if they made more, it's okay. So it's generally that they either made less. And sometimes it's, it's simple to, to deal with this. If you just haven't filed your 2019 tax return, well, get your 2019 okay. tax return in there. Um, and then you'll, they'll see, okay, yeah, you were eligible. You earned more than $5,000. Uh, okay. What I'm seeing a lot is people thought they earned more than $5,000, but they didn't realize certain sources of income aren't counted in that $5,000. So things okay. like pension income, disability benefits, um, student loans and bursaries, family support payments, social assistance, EI earnings, uh, even Canada Child Benefit, you know, all of those things, they don't qualify. You know, they're, they're generally part of your income if you file your taxes in most cases, but they don't qualify for calculating that $5,000. Um, the one that I'm hearing more and more about is for the self-employed individual who misunderstood the definition between gross income and net income. And that's a really important distinction. So let's let's just spend a second there. Um, Gross income, if you're self-employed, is essentially every dollar that you take in. It's your revenue. And if that's $5,000, okay, but you had some business expenses against that. So it's after you deduct your business expenses. Maybe if you were a retailer, you had some cost of your inventory, you had some electricity, some staff costs. Your net income is going to be something less than your your revenue because it costs you some money to earn that revenue. And what CRA is saying is that your net income is what they care about. So I'm hearing from self-employed individuals that thought, well, you know, I grossed $8,000 last year, I must be fine. But their net income was actually under the $5,000 mark. And then CRA is saying, well, you may not have qualified for SIR because your net income was below that amount. I see. Okay. So how is Canada Revenue Agency going to collect well, CRA, as we often talk about on this show, they've got really strong collection powers, um, you know, more so than any other creditor. But in the short term, they said they want to take a softer approach and they call that their educational approach for now. So they're sending these letters out, you know, to educate people. Well, maybe your tax return wasn't filed. Why didn't you get on that? And for a self-employed person, if it is the case that your income was too low uh, for 2019, you know, one of your options would be to work with your account and just see perhaps did you not or sorry, did you over deduct some expenses? Are there some expenses that maybe shouldn't have been deducted? So you could go back and actually amend your tax return. You can't do anything that's incorrect or dishonest, of course. Uh, but working with your accountant, you might be able to change some of your reporting to actually make your income, um, you know, commensurate with that five thousand dollar level. 
Um, you know, in the future, CRA, I'm sure, is not going to keep the soft approach forever. So some of the basic things that they'll do is they can keep any future tax refunds. So anything that you'd be accumulating over the next few years, they might just offset that against any served overpayment. Um, they could also keep things like Canada Child Benefit, which that can be just devastating, the amount of money um, that a family might be deprived of if CRA chose to offset that. But to date, they haven't said they're going to do that. These are just you know things that are in their toolbox. Okay. So what about my toolbox? What what if I can't repay that money in full? Because that's a lot of money and there was a great need every month. People mm-hmm. were struggling. I mean, lots of people were struggling. Yeah, absolutely, Elaine. I think that's what people are finding, you know, so tough is, okay, maybe I didn't meet the requirements, but what would you have had me do? <laughs> you know, I had to feed my family, had to pay my rent. This was, you know, the whole idea of all the politicians saying, we're, we got Canadians back here. Um, so, you know, first thing is, again, of course, make sure taxes are up to date and they're accurate. Um, it's, you know, you try to reach out to CRA and start to have conversations with them. So, Typically, um, CRA, they offer you six months of a payment plan. I expect that to be extended. I expect it to be quite reasonable on these CERB overpayments. Um, But if it is the case where you were legitimately overpaid for CERB, they've got no ability to waive those those costs. Um, So, you know, essentially, you're going to have to pay it back at some point. Um, some of your options are, if you can't pay it back in full, you could choose to work with a trustee. You could sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee, and especially of other debt that's also weighing you down, these overpayments should be able to be part of either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal proceeding. So it's not the case it can follow you for the rest of your life. It shouldn't do so. But it could be a significant number. You know, if it was, you know, call it six or seven months um, of served money, you know, six times $2,000, $12,000. And if the government starts adding some penalties and interest, which, again, I expect them to be reasonable in the short term, but it can be a significant number. So I was hearing, you know, even on just on the radio this morning of individuals who were saying, you know, what am I going to do? I've got this debt right now. These these letters say they want a response prior to December 3rd. 31st, but again, it's not they want everything paid back by then. They just want you to start to reach out to make some contact. Okay. And you said the word should be included. Those That CERB repayment program should be included under the consumer proposal. Do you know, in mm-hmm. fact, that it that it will be or it can be, or, or is that yeah, still I, a little bit of an unknown? Well, I'm happy that you picked up on that, Elaine, because it's still a somewhat of an unknown, but my professional opinion and every trustee that I speak with is that this will be able to be included in either a bankruptcy or a proposal because the only things that aren't included are debts owing to fraud. And it's a high bar to prove that there's fraud. And for the government to say that people that, you know, perhaps didn't understand their complete income in the midst of a pandemic are committing fraud, I don't see them doing that. So I think it will be included, but it's just not a certainty yet. Okay, great. Got it. Well, um, are, have you got any of this information or will you get some of this information on your website that it's so such a good site? Yeah, absolutely. We'll get a blog post up there in, in the coming days about serve options and repayments. Yeah, for sure. Great. And so the website address, because I, I think it's just so good on so many topics, is sans-trustee.com. You can give them a call as well if you want to talk to a trustee and figure some things out, including this repayment program and how it might affect you. If the number is one 800 661 3030 for that consultation, as well as to find an office near you. You've been listening to Dollars and Cents. See you next time. 
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.